Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, and welcome to NJSBA's Blog Talk Radio Show, Conversations on New Jersey Education, a show dedicated to creating a conversation among those of us in the education community and beyond on the important education issues of the day, a conversation that brings state leaders to you, and I hope that you feel all feel free to join in on the conversation. My name is Ray Penny, and I will be your host this afternoon for a special edition of Conversations on New Jersey Education. We'll be talking about the school breakfast program. We will not only be taking your calls, but we also have the chat room open. I think this will give you another vehicle in which to participate. Um, our guest today, and I'm not sure if they're here yet, um, is Secretary of Agriculture um, Douglas Fisher. Douglas, are you here with I'm us? I'm here. Okay. Good morning. Good morning. I, was, I was guessing. I saw the, the number there. And, <laughs> uh, and also with us is Rose Tricario, and she's the Secretary and Division uh, I'm sorry. She's uh, the, the division of food and nu- nutrition director. Is that are you, Rose? Are you with yep, us? Yep. Here I am, Ray. Good morning. Okay. Good morning. I'm going to let you guys start off, but I, I also want to introduce that some other people just wanted to call in and, uh, and reemphasize what uh, the secretary and Rose will be talking about. And we have Sharon Sauer from NJSBA's Governmental Relations, who's been working on this issue for on behalf of NJSBA. Uh, Sharon, welcome. Thank you. And we also have someone from Washington calling in, Madeline Levine, Madeline Levine, and she's with the Senior Policy Food Research and Action Center. Madeline, welcome. Thank you. Okay. Um, you know, before we get started into this, uh, Secretary, why, you know, this is, we're going to be talking about school breakfast program. Um, why is the Department of Agriculture in, involved in this? Well, the Department of Agriculture administers the uh, uh, USDA program through our school system, uh, th- through our Food Nutrition Division, who Rose Tercario is the director here. So we're one of only three states uh, in the country that have it set up that way, uh, Florida, Texas, and New Jersey. Oh, that's interesting. Um, and how do the other states do Do they do it through the Department of Education? Most generally, yes. Okay. Now, there, and there's and actually some folks, uh, fr- frankly, Florida just joined, has just started that. They were they called us and asked us, asked us for some guidance on how they might affect that. So uh, so I think they'll, you'll probably see some more departments in the future do that. Okay, um, Rose, in New Jersey, hundreds of uh, thousands of students participate in their free and reduced lunch program, but not many, per- not many, but a significant number do not participate in the school breakfast program. What's the, What's the participation rate in New Jersey? Well, Ray, that is correct, and actually only 37% of the economically disadvantaged students who regularly consume school lunch also participate in the breakfast program in New Jersey. Um, So we do have a vast number uh, that are not reached with this program at this time. Um, how How many students are we talking about participate in the free and reduced lunch program? Um, well, let me uh, 
what, what I will tell you um, in terms of the breakfast program is, uh, for example, in in New Jersey, we have about 687,000 students that eat school lunch. However, um, only 192,000 of those students are eating school breakfast. Um, so, so there is a big difference with the number of students that we are able to reach. Actually, that's one of the reasons why uh, we're glad that you're hosting this uh, uh, podcast today, because uh, we've had some recent developments that are going to, we think, increase participation uh, greatly. Uh, we've started already that trend, but uh, uh, we we will uh, we had some developments with a de- uh, partnership with the Department of Education and some joint uh, some joint communications with school boards, which I think they received a letter on January 17th that should uh, dramatically uh, change that number. Yeah, I believe we and we posted that letter in our school board notes uh, uh, newsletter for the members to read, and uh, it did go out. Uh, why is it important to get more people involved in this, uh, Secretary? Well, uh, all you have to do is see a child come to school hungry and be asked to be expected to perform when, in fact, they you know they have no nutrition uh, at all uh, and they start their day. So it's important because tests show, tests have shown. Uh, I don't care where you know where you study uh, or what you study. Uh, certainly, if they have proper nourishment, they can achieve better results. And so, it's important that our kids get to start the day off right, whether uh, for a whole host of reasons. One, they may have not had the opportunity at home to even have breakfast, or um, just because of timing and two parents working and trying to get the kid off to school. That uh, in fact, they, they even though they may have should have had the opportunity, it doesn't happen. So it's very, we, you know, from every indication, I think it shows that uh, it's important for children to have nourishment. Uh, Madeline, from a, the national perspective, I, I guess, is there anything you want to add to the importance of the, a school breakfast program? Well, I think the secretary really um, summed it up really well. There's a lot of research that shows that kids do so much better when they eat breakfast, um, a healthy breakfast at school each day, just as they're able to do through the um, school breakfast program that um, Rose is doing a great job running in New Jersey. Um, When kids can get a healthy, balanced meal right at the beginning of the school day, um, research shows that they have better test scores, better behavior, fewer nurses' visits, better attendance, and, um, and also that they are less likely to be overweight or obese um, because eating breakfast each morning is a really healthy habit that helps prevent problems related to poor diet. Uh, Rose, how do we compare with other states in the, that participation rate? Um, well, recently the Food Research and Action Center ranked New Jersey 48th in the nation in school breakfast participation. Um, we're just ahead of Iowa, Utah, and Nevada. Uh, the District of Columbia ranks first in the nation in participation, and again, um, that ranking is based on what I mentioned to you earlier, that uh, only 37% of uh, economically disadvantaged students that consume school lunch participate in the breakfast program. Why do districts not participate in this, do you think? Um, well, there's a whole host of reasons. Um, districts have different barriers. Uh, you know, there's definitely not a one-size-fits-all model for districts to follow. Um the different barriers that we have been uh, told of include the, uh, you know, busing schedules, getting students to school on time in order to have breakfast. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the bigger barriers that we uh, feel as though we have addressed 
was uh, the instructional timepiece. And as you know, uh, Secretary Fisher and Acting Commissioner Cerf co-authored a letter to schools encouraging uh, increased participation in the breakfast program um, by serving breakfast in the classroom. Well, let me just add that, you know, obviously our ranking is 48th, so we're, uh, we're, we're, we would be considered failing uh, in, in, in that realm and because, as Rose said, there were barriers, but a lot of them were barriers that, that were misconstrued or misconceived, uh, and we're showing the way to break down what people thought were obstacles really aren't there. Uh, just today, we were at a school where, uh, for the first time since October, uh, they just started the program. Uh, uh, the kids have breakfast in the classroom. It was the, one of the you know, greatest demonstrations I've seen of something that works really well, and we have those examples across the state. So we're thrilled for the opportunity to talk today to the school boards uh, across the state to encourage them, you know, that to get the answers, to find out, you know, they th they think it can't be done, they think it can't be paid for uh, properly, they're not sure about sanitation, they're not sure about disruption, they're 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 questioning whether or not it takes away from instructional time, as Rose mentioned, uh, and all those things are, frankly, miscues that uh, we know that uh, there's a great desire on the part of the legislature. There's a great desire when we ask parents and, and uh, guardians across the state, do you want it to become available? We know that, and that's why we're thrilled to be able to work with the school board. So a lot of times, I guess if I'm hearing you correctly, a lot of the assumptions that for not participating are based on older information or maybe even misconstrued information. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, and Sharon. the letter, uh, by the way, the letter, though, was not mm – -hmm. that letter was a big deal because – uh, and we're so appreciative of the Department of Education for joint, you know, jointure with that because that was one of the perceived barriers. They thought it would that it would take away from their time, instructional time, so they weren't willing to do it in many schools. Um, but obviously, uh, that that we've crossed that hurdle. Uh, Sharon, I know you've been involved uh, from the association's point of view in trying to work with other other education groups to get this word out. Uh, what, what's the group that you've been working with? Um. There's uh, an assortment of education associations that are involved, Ray. Um, PSA is involved. Um, ASA is also involved. Um, and then, we're, of course, we're working with the other associations as well, the American Dairy Council, um, the ACNJ, which is the Advocates for Children of New Jersey, and then and Madeline's association is uh, FRAC, and then the uh, Coalition of Anti-Hunger. And also, I should just mention that I went into uh, Vineland School this week and got a complete tour of how the breakfast program works. And they started their program last January, and they started it with one school. Now they're up to eight schools. They're serving uh, K to eight, and they're they're serving 4,800 students. Wow. So they've made some rapid growth in that. Uh, in that year, in that time, and uh, he explained to me that they have different schedule, different options for different uh, schedules. If the kids are coming by car, they come into the cafeteria and get their breakfast, and they have like 10 to 15 minutes to eat it. And if they're coming in by bus, they come in a little bit later. So he lines the bag breakfast up on a table in the cafeteria and they just grab it and go, which is one of the options that was stated in the letter. And uh and then they eat it eat on their way to their first period class. 
Uh, we're so talking. They're with, really. So it looks very possible uh, in, in that district, at least. Um, yeah, and Ray, this with, is this is Madeline. If I could just jump in and just say sure. what we're talking about is that the old-fashioned way of doing breakfast in the cafeteria before the start of school where kids actually have to get to school early in order to take part in the meal, it's just not working well. Um, There are just too many kids that are missing it, either because they want to stay out on the playground, because they're stuck on their school bus somewhere, because they woke up late and they just didn't get to school early. And so by creating these other options where schools can let kids eat, as they get settled in their classroom at the beginning of the day, it just makes it so much more convenient and accessible to so many more kids. And those are these are the programs that we're talking about. And schools, even though they, they, they are concerned about some of the barriers that the secretary mentioned, what they find is when they try it, they love it, and that a lot of their fears were unfounded and they can really overcome. You know, anytime you change something in a school building, it can cause a few waves, but once you get used to it, it just runs really smoothly. And by the way, it's not well, all or – I'm sorry. I was just going to say, it's not all or nothing. In other words, you can go in a classroom and see 50% of the children having breakfast and the other half are sitting at their desk doing something else. And in a lot of these classrooms, they incorporate that very well because the students, the, the guardian or parent, or parent or grandparent opts in, and they can opt in – they can opt in uh, – for the you know at any point or opt out. Hmm. Uh, Rose, we haven't heard from you in a while. Uh, I know I saw in I think it was in the letter and also in some other areas. You give school districts uh, different ways of incorporating this. What are some? I, I know uh, Madeline just mentioned a couple, but is there uh, some creative ways to get this going? And I, I guess I should be clear. If my if my understanding is correct, uh, you can do this during instructional time. So it's not like a, a lunch period. You can do it during a, a period one or whatever, right? Absolutely. And, you know, Ray, one of the things that I think is vitally important in the success of this program is engaging the entire school community because that's how you're going to get success in this. Food service operators need to communicate with the building administration, with the parents, with the students, with the faculty, and everybody needs to be on board with this. Um, as far as the different creative ways to implement such program, we've heard from different food service directors that have had different uh, success stories that they've shared. Um, the breakfast in the classroom model has certainly been uh, the one where we've seen the best participation, for example, um, in the West New York School District. Uh, they began serving breakfast in the classroom this year and saw more than a 700% increase in participation over last year. Um, you know, in addition, you know, they, they did report that fewer students were going to the nurse's office uh, complaining of headaches or stomach aches. Um, you know, and the faculty uh, are reporting that there is definitely uh, less class time lost because the students are present. Um, but in terms of actually implementing the program, you know, communicating with all the parties that are involved makes it a success. Uh, the food service operators have knowledgeable staff that can work with faculty in getting the food to the classrooms, um, in getting rosters checked off so that we are, you know, correctly recording the students that are participating, um, but most importantly is working with everyone involved. Okay, we're talking about the school breakfast program. If anyone, uh listener has a question and they want to call in, you dial 1-347-989-8904. Three one three four seven nine eight nine eight nine zero four and press one and I'll let our switchboard operator know that um, you have a question. Um, Ray, can I, I uh, ch chime in there for a minute? Sure, Sharon. 
I wanted to talk about the menu. Um, I, I found it really interesting in Vineland that they actually are baking the goods on on the premises in, in Vineland. They're actually making muffins. Each day is a different menu. So three days a week they get assorted muffins, a piece of fruit, and, and milk, or they'll get um, a cereal, cereal, a box of cereal and milk and fruit, or they'll get a cereal bar, depending, but they never keep it the same thing so the kids don't get bored with it. And he, and he did um, he did reiterate the fact that now that the kids are used to the menu, you might have more kids grab breakfast on a certain day knowing what the menu is than, than on another day, but for the most part, I mean, they're all running in there to get their breakfast. Oh, that's good. Um, and uh, also, maybe... uh, excuse me, if I could just add to that, um, you know, there are additional options for schools that don't have such a facility where they could prepare things like that. Um, you know, we do have districts um, like Vineland that have the facilities whereby they can bake things fresh, but there are things also um, different manufacturers have um, brought into the marketplace a uh, prepackaged uh, meal um, that includes, uh, you know, the bread grain option, the fruits, um, and the components of the meal that make it a very quick, easy serve, kind of like a grab-and-go type of a thing, which is also um, easy to do in the classroom setting. Uh, I'm not sure if it's Secretary or Rose who answered this question. Is there a cost to the district to getting this started or uh, or the administrative cost of some sort? Well, the district is going to make the to make the decision to do it, uh, and and what uh, the only thing I can tell you is that they're they are reimbursed by the federal government for the cost of the goods. Uh, how they implement it in the school, there's you know I'm, I'm sure there's a some sort of a cost, but uh, they what we always encourage and have experienced is that they do it with existing staff. They don't. There's not any staff that needs to be added. So it's just changing your structure a little bit to fit it into the the normal school day. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rose, do you have anything to add on to well, that? Well, by the way, I would. I mean, obviously, anytime you make a, a culture change or uh, any kind of, you know, there, there'll be some folks that'll say that it's, you know, it, it's very cumbersome and expensive. But frankly, we've seen it over and over again that it work. You know, they can manage to incorporate it and not find themselves uh, incurring additional costs. And also to add to what Secretary explained, um, you know, going back to the point I made earlier about getting all members of the school community involved, um, I did witness one district, uh, I believe in Seaside, where uh, the students were actually part of the process in getting the meals to the classroom. Uh, so, you know, your your the cost uh, the cost again is it's not going to be a one size fits all model. Um, you know, depending upon what the district has available as its resources in-house, um, as well as the existing equipment that the cafeteria may have, all of those things could be incorporated into the breakfast program. If a district is looking to start a school breakfast program, how would they go about? Should they call uh, your division, or uh, what should be, the, or the Department of Ed? How should they go about doing it? Um, well, the Division of Food and Nutrition is here to help anybody that's interested. So I think the first step, if someone is looking to um, expand their nutrition program and implement breakfast, uh, they can call the Division of Food and Nutrition. Um, and that number is 609-984-0692. Uh, and a child nutrition specialist would be able to answer the questions they have and help provide the resources that they need to get their program started. Uh, Sharon, uh, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, the other groups that you talked about, that the other education groups that are, are, are 
working with uh, on this issue. Are they all supportive of increasing this uh, participation? Oh, definitely. Um, the first meeting that I attended, it was um, it, uh, Chris Emigaltz was there from the Department of Education, Jennifer was there from PSA, and Tom Dunn was there from ASA. So um, definitely they are all on board. We were, we're all trying to contribute uh, ideas and information to the group because there's different entities that you would want to approach in order to, you know, achieve the goal. And the goal with this group is to increase participation in the school districts. So any way that we can, that any of these agencies can help, it, you know, it's all is appreciated. And um, actually, when that letter came through, our our way of helping was that we posted the letter. We posted an article about the letter and about the group in our school board notes newsletter. So that went out right away as soon as that letter came. And, uh, you know, that that brings attention. And then, of course, the letter did go to all the districts. So it, it's just it's all this uh, information going out is, is now going to places where we know that it, somebody's going, going to pay attention to it. Um, I guess this goes to the secretary. Uh, are, are we missing out on some funds from the federal government by not participating in this? Well, the yeah, there's, there's about 25 or $27 million laying on the table down in Washington waiting to come to New Jersey to reimburse the school districts that have not taken advantage of uh, the, these funds. So that's it's a pretty a, simple answer. I mean, the money's there, um, and, you know, every school has the opportunity to participate. It's just a question of whether they have the, the, the desire and and the wherewithal to start, you know, going down that path. Uh, I guess uh, I also understand that this week is National School Breakfast Week, and I guess the point of that is to make the school districts aware of this. Is that my uh, is my assumption correct on that one? Yes, I mean basically it's a it's a campaign to to increase exposure. I mean I don't I don't care who you ask, but ask us uh, uh, just a, a passerby in the street or someone from the highest laws of her, uh, halls of learning. Or anywhere in between. So, do you think it's a good idea if kids have breakfast in the morning, or should they go to school and not not be nourished? I mean, the answer I've never heard anyone answer anything different than yeah, it's really important. So the next part is, um, well, why isn't it being done? New Jersey's the worst. You know, we're 48th. Our rank is 48th, and, and so we want to get the word out that there are uh, uh, lots of opportunities now. Uh, because it's a pretty straight line between the Department of Health, the Children and Family Services, Department of Education, the Department of Agriculture. We're all in line. We all are saying the same thing, and we're all there to help uh, facilitate uh, uh, whatever barriers perceived or real are there and to start a program. Uh, Madeline, uh, from the national perspective, is the barriers that we see in New Jersey, are they the same barriers that other states see and have over overcome? Yeah, I think I think there is a lot of commonality. I mean, we see schools all over the country making these changes and um and and I think that when we when we do our look at breakfast participation and look at these programs, what we're seeing is that schools with um high percentages of low-income kids can really afford to do this and that that the good 
actually good school finances fall in line with a breakfast program that has a high participation rate. And because of the federal funding that the Secretary was talking about that exists um, for schools all across the country, there is a steady um, funding source. And um, the key is to have an efficient program where um, you aren't um, having a lot of staff producing a small number of meals or um, serving a small number of kids. So that's why we find all across the country that when the programs have high participation, that they actually can sustain themselves um, so that it it's really a win-win for everyone. Um, so you probably have to have a certain demographic, though, uh, in your district to have this sustainable, right? You need to have a certain percentage of students on the free and reduced to qualify for that. Well, no. not, not. I mean, I think it's it's sustainable everywhere. If you know, I think Rose probably can talk about the finances in New Jersey the best. But um, if you want to be able to provide meals at no charge to all the kids, then you need to have a certain demographic. But if your program is still charging. Um, families for meals that um, don't qualify for free and reduced. I think it can be done at any demographic, don't you, Rose? Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with that. Uh, the demographic of the city in which, or the town in which the breakfast program is is implemented, really, I think is um, is irrelevant to the fact that it can be sustainable. Um, you know, the federal reimbursement. You know, like Secretary Fisher was saying, the the federal funding is out there, and the breakfast is 100% federally funded. The level of reimbursement can cover all costs of the program. Um, you know, the the uh, the cost of each individual breakfast to the uh, to the child um, is going to be zero, obviously, if they are eligible for free uh, for free lunch. So whatever their paying status is for the meals would be consistent with the breakfast program, um, and the federal funding is there even for those that are not. So if I'm understanding this correctly, it really is not much different than the the free and reduced lunch in terms of how you participate in. In, in, in terms of the students look participating, uh, you know, so it, it's really not that difficult a lift. Correct. Okay. So, I, so I'm just I'm trying to find, understand why people aren't doing it. I'm, I'm, uh, well, you know, uh, something that's interesting to point out, Ray. Um, you know, we obviously uh, we have schools. Um, we have schools that are serving breakfast that are not mandated to serve breakfast. However, New Jersey does require that schools that have 20% or more students eligible for free and reduced price lunch that they provide a breakfast program. Um, what's interesting to note is that even schools that do not have a breakfast program um, have gotten into a habit of serving breakfast on testing days. So it's obvious to us that there is recognition of the importance of of having breakfast, uh, you know, to to uh, have increased performance and better testing scores in the school, uh, you know, so the the importance of it is recognized. That is interesting because I just went through that this week with my daughter taking the HESPA test. Uh, they did that exact thing. She said, "I don't need breakfast today, Dad. I, I just they're serving breakfast." Say no the more. There you are. What was that? I say, say no more. That's pretty interesting. I mean, you 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 witnessed it for yourself, and uh, I think it just demonstrates the the value of making sure that the you know they get breakfast. Um, what else? Uh, uh, I guess this would go to the, the secretary. Um, 
if someone, uh, if we want to start get the word out, what more can we do to help uh, this cause? I'm sorry. What, what, what more can we do? Uh, what dist- if a district's interested, or what can the associations do uh, to help get the word out uh, about this? I guess this would take place if they're trying to do it this year. It would be for next year, right? Yeah, if if schools wanted to implement a breakfast program, I mean, first of all, there's really no um, there's no rule that says you must start in September, you must start next school year. If somebody called our office and said they wanted to start, you know, next month, we would work with them to get them the resources, um, you know, point them to the places on our website, possibly help them to network with uh, another district that's already doing it, that's shown success. Um, so there's really no um, you know, rule as to you must start at this time of the year. Anybody can start at any time. Uh, Madeline, uh, I was interested that it, uh, we had a school breakfast program during instructional time. Was there resistance to this when that idea first came up? You mean way way back, like in 1965 when it first started? I th- oh, yeah. I, yeah, I mean, I think that people... Um, you know, kind of in the old-fashioned, you know, um, leave-it-to-beaver sort of world, you know, 1950s America, there was this idea that, you know, mom was at home and she was going to make breakfast and everyone was going to sit around the table and have breakfast before they go off on their day. But I think the reality of 21st century living in this country is that Virtually all families, both parents work, people have really hectic schedules. Many families have to work multiple jobs to make ends meet. So parents have really long working hours and really long commutes in many parts of New Jersey, especially um, with people going long distances even into New York City. So I think that, or Philadelphia. So the idea that people have the time um, to to eat breakfast, it's just not there anymore. And what we find, in fact, with looking at research about Americans' eating habits is that only 30% um, or or less of kids, 30% of school-age kids, eat breakfast at home with their families. And the number drops off considerably with teenagers. Um, And adults don't always do the best job with eating breakfast. Mm -hmm. So I think in the that there has been some resistance, um, but that now people are really realizing that this is too important a meal to let kids miss, and that just like on test days, the kids will learn better every day, and by doing um, by making the breakfast more accessible and, and easy for kids to grab and and consume, that you're really um, making sure that kids have the best chance to succeed academically. Um, and it really levels the playing field for kids that do live in food insecure households where their families don't have enough food resources. And when you have a culture in school where all the kids are eating together, it takes away some of that stigma that can exist when breakfast is just, you know, for the poor kids in the cafeteria before school. Um, and when it's something that everybody does, it encourages everybody to have that healthy habit. Um, so I think that we we have we are making a culture shift and that there is some resistance to that, but um, it's just the reality of family life today that um, that we don't have the time um, to sit around um, and the breakfast table in most of our households. Um, I guess, uh, Rose, we're talking mostly about the academic benefits of this, but I, I assume we would just touch on that there's a health benefit for the kids too. 
Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, increasing participation is ultimately about the kids. You know, it's about their health, their ability to succeed in life, and the habits that they learn in school are things that are going to last them a lifetime. It's going to affect their future. It's going to, um, you know, help them to make better choices as they grow up into the adults. And the the variety of foods that they get at school, uh, learning to eat from the different food groups, all of these, you know, students coming to school are learning from an academic perspective, but also the nutrition education that they take with them is vitally important to their success. Um, you know, I think as uh, I think Madeline mentioned earlier, the obesity rate um, is is such a factor now, and it's been shown that uh, those that eat breakfast have uh, a less likely chance of becoming obese adults. That's interesting. Um, all right, we'll be winding down now. Uh, oh, oh, go around. You no, know, Ray, can I? I'm just going to go to you, okay? Sure. Um, I just want to uh, uh, emphasize on the the menu that when uh, the food service director in Vineland talked to me, he said, you know, how they have to choose all whole grain products or they have to make whole grain, everything is followed by a certain guideline so that you are eating healthier, not so much that you're just eating breakfast, but you're eating a healthy breakfast. And that, you know, that was uh, very, very uh, important on that on that fact. That is, in, you know, you're not just putting in empty calories. Um, right. All right, we'll go around and get some final thoughts. Uh, Matt on, do you want to give us any final things that we haven't touched on? Well, I I just really want to commend the the commission the agriculture commissioner the the um the Department of Education for working together on this initiative. It's really exciting. Um the New Jersey Anti-Hunger Network and the Advocates for Children are really excited for joining forces with all the education groups to make sure that we really do increase um, the health and the educational outcomes of the kids of New Jersey. Like Rose said, it's really about the kids. Okay, uh, Rose, you have any uh, final thoughts? Um, no, I think, you know, in echoing what everyone else said, we need to keep the uh, the children in the forefront of this discussion. You know, they are our future. And by providing them with healthy meals at school, we are doing them a service that's going to last them a lifetime. Uh, Sharon, did you have uh, any uh Final no, thoughts? but uh, it's great to talk with all of you, and I think we meet next, you know, this group meets, we're meeting monthly, and, you know, we're trying to make as much progress as possible. Okay, Secretary, I'm going to let you have the last word. You, it looks like you have a good coalition. You have people from all the education groups. You have the Commissioner of Education working with you, so it looks like you'll probably have, you should have success. Absolutely. Uh, we're thrilled about all our partners and working together, and I, I can't, you know, we can't list them all here. There, there's certainly a, a, a tremendous amount of folks that want to see uh, this uh, take place. And I guess what I would say, my parting words would be just be that uh, we are available. We're a resource. We want to make sure that we make the transition for you, uh, all the school boards across the state, as easy as uh, can, you know, make it happen. And um, uh, we're looking forward to working with each and every school district in the state to uh, start their program. Uh, you know, before we go to a close, Rose, you had a phone number that you mentioned earlier about if people, if the district was interested in starting this. Uh, could you get that number again? Yes, it's 609-984-0692. 
And in addition to that, we also have resources on the Department of Agriculture's website under the Division of Food and Nutrition uh, that schools can uh, look at to help them get their program started. Great, great. Okay, that brings us to the uh, the end of another Conversations on New Jersey Education. I hope you all enjoyed this and found it informative. I'd like to thank uh, Secretary of Agriculture Douglas Fisher. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Ray. And I'd also like to thank uh, Rose Chicario. Thank you, Rose. Thank you, Ray. And Madeline Levine, thank you. You're, you're welcome. It's been a pleasure. And Sharon, obviously, thank you. <laughs> you're I'll welcome. I'll see you later, Ray. too. Thanks. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. Thank you all for joining. And uh, and uh, if you have any questions or comments, please contact me, rpinney at njsb.org, for future programs and uh, shows. Thank you. And that will be the end of our show. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.